0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Digital Nomad World weekly series. I'm Becky, and I'll be your host. And today, we're going to be talking about creating safe spaces for well-being with my guest, Victor Soto. Victor, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Becky. Thank you for inviting me.
0: I'm so glad to have you on because I know that you are very passionate about this space. And we've known each other for a while. You're a great community builder and connector in Lisbon. And yeah, I'm excited for people to hear how you build these communities and the safe spaces. So first of all, can you share with us how you started your digital nomad journey?
1: Wow, that's amazing. So I moved to oh I started with moving to Lisbon, to be honest, and, and that happened close to four and a half years ago. Um, I moved uh, here from Austria and landing into the city with, I think I had one friend. I knew I loved the city because of what I've seen and what I felt, but I didn't have a network. I didn't have a community, I didn't know anybody. And uh, two days after I landed, I got into a meetup page and I went to the Lisbon Digital Nomad Meetup um, in a nice uh, space close to the river. And then I go welcomed by two people by the door, two people who then will become like really good friends, amazing people, open-hearted. And it is at this this place where I actually first came across people who were referring to themselves as nomads. I'm like, what is a nomad? Uh, Not even remote work. It was like, I'm a nomad. I I travel and work. um, And to be honest, this was mind-blowing. And I think here in this space, I made some of the like five friends that I stuck with, but they also arrived about the same time to Lisbon. And just hearing the stories of people doing different type of jobs and that they had, you know, they have managed financially, they have managed career wise to be happy and they have created this kind of their own path off the main path. And they were so happy with it and they had so many stories and so many things and i have traveled before i moved every two three years in different countries since i left university and now hearing that these people were actually moving monthly even after a couple of weeks that was like really really amazing it only happened um two years into this that i you know i've known all these people I have i have heard enough stories i have opened up my perspective and even before the pandemic, I already started entertaining the thought. I had a lot of my very close friends telling me, like, when are you going to get to become a nomad? Uh, when are you going to you know, make some steps towards making the first step, which is, I think, letting go of the things that you hold on to that make you want to be in one location? That might be physical stuff, that might be uh, having too many things, um, that, that might be the job itself. So, going through a process when I was ready to detach myself from those things was a process, you know. And and also, every conversation that I had with a friend around their own journey kind of helped me understand how this could work, you know, from answering questions about taxes towards um, managing my own job, managing my life emotionally. Uh, in relationships you know so it was it was meeting other people in the community that gave me the perspective little by little to feel comfortable okay I'm ready Uh, and just kind of before the pandemic I had already kind of put things in place when the pandemic came it was just the right it was the right thing for me in my career because I worked in sales management for about eight years And in sales, there's something in in the culture perceived from the company's perspective that in order to be efficient, in order to do the job, it's a very present. You have to be present. You have to see, you have to, you know, you have to be with the teams. You have to observe, you have to give feedback. There's a lot of energy exchange in creating these dynamics of people pushing and kind of overcoming the difficulties of um, a sales environment and a uh, sales job. And then comes the pandemic and tells everybody, it doesn't matter what you think everybody has to go home That was amazing because that gave us that gave me and, and I think I gave the industry um, that we had two years to figure out how do we run sales organizations a sales organization within a larger company or a small company remotely we had to do it. there was not a question is this possible suddenly this disappeared I think if I would have asked any of my peers before the pandemic can you run successfully, your sales organization, it would have been, no. You wouldn't even like think about this being an option. So when the pandemic kicked in and we had to find ways around how to communicate, how to keep people motivated, uh, improve communication, hiring, uh, team culture, we have two to three years of, of now clear examples that it is possible. Of course, there are challenges, but then I could become a nomad finally. And I jumped on it earlier on the in the on the, the pandemic kind of like decided to let go step by step on all the things that i needed from the physical things and the number of shoes and clothes and electronics that i kept and 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 be like okay i can i really just have everything that i need in my life in a in a backpack that was so hard i think this is probably one of the hardest things that, um in becoming a nomad and then you know once i kind of put everything in my suitcase and this is everything that i need that was like I felt so light light um so yeah that's pretty much how I got started into the whole nomad you know the the changes in environment to allow me to have everything in check to allow me to show the world that I can do my job uh, on that way and then kind of really open a number of different possibilities for me to actually professionally continue to do what I needed to do to earn my living plus you know going through the emotional and psychological process of detaching from everything and, and being able to embrace uncertainty and just being able to feel light so I can move and make decisions on the go and kind of go explore the world and follow my friends who left me every, win- every winter, <laughs> you know, now it's my turn to actually go uh, say bye-bye. So that was a that was a beautiful process.
0: Thank you for that amazing summary of what it's like to prepare to be a nomad. I think so many people go through similar things. I have to ask, has it lived up to your expectations? becoming a nomad yeah it's
1: um definitely has been i think it is a a, a learning curve and i i would lie to you if i would say that there was no anxiety that i wasn't tired um you know i remember one of the biggest things that uh you know the amazing thing is like i have friends who have been nomads for quite a few years so it is so rewarding to have these friendships because I can always call and be like, okay, I'm going through this. Um, I need feedback. I need kind of just, can you let me know how, how should I manage? And, you know, in this example, it's, I would go um, when I went to South America the first time and I'll have so much, I feel so sad that I wanted to see so many things, but I still had to do so much work. And, yeah. you know, it's normally when you're in a place and you have a routine and you have in the same city, you don't really have the need to want to express so much. So now I was in a new place. There was so much to see and to do, but I had limited time. I have limited energy. I still have to do and keep focus. So trying to pull away from the two. And one of the beautiful things that a friend called Rosanna uh, shared with me was like, dude, you need to change your perspective around being a nomad. Like you're not a nomad for six months. You're not a nomad for a year. You can choose how long you want to be a nomad. And and you don't have to put a date, but just think about it, that you can continue as long as you want. So therefore, you don't have to see everything in Mexico in these two months that you're going to be in Mexico because you can always come back anytime. And once I heard that and I kind of processed that, I was like, okay, I could be it's okay to just be in one part of Mexico in one city. And I'll be happy with that because I can always come back to Mexico
0: um before that I was in my mind I
1: was like oh no but I I need to go to uh to the different parts I want to have all the experiences and it's like she's like no leave something for later and you have you have a whole lifetime that you can go back because now you're changing your lifestyle your life is never going to be the same in my mind before she said that I couldn't process this feeling and when she kind of said it's like my my mindset just shift and now I'm a lot more like peaceful when i'm like to go to a new place i still struggle because i still be like oh my god i had it in southeast asia um the last winter and i wanted to go everywhere and i thought that i reduced how fast i moved it, which was about three weeks in some places um but yes it's learning to say no <laughs> in this context to, your, to this excitement of wanting to do things and your friends might invite you um that is also very difficult because your friends are also in in, in their own journey of you know what they want to see what they want to do and and sometimes you have to be realistic that you need to say no and that's okay
0: yeah that's really important for everybody to get a hold of when they become a nomad for their mental health for sure I'm glad you brought this up and also oh yeah go ahead
1: because I think a beautiful point is if you don't Then you put so much pressure on that, uh, like if you go to a place and you're not suddenly you see the the impact on your work um, because you're struggling, because you're tired, because you're not able to do as many other things. Then you might a year later, you might actually realize like you don't like this, but it's not it's because you just it's a it's, it's a very long it's a marathon and you know about marathons. Becky, so you we don't want to burn the fuel in in one go by putting so much pressure in, you know, it puts pressure on relationship, it puts pressure on the financial side, it puts pressure on work by having to actually want to do too many things. And when you slow that down, you can allow things to just kind of like run in parallel a little bit better, you know?
0: Yeah, don't go so fast at the beginning that you can't finish the marathon. So.
1: Does it. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I want to bring up something that I know you're really passionate about and also the, so people can learn even more about the nomad journey, creating safe spaces for well-being. So can you first give us some clarity about what this means to you?
1: Hmm. So creating safe spaces for me has become um A place an environment that you like that you can experience where you're allowing yourself to express yourself and there's a shared value or values that you have in the environment and it's you know when i look back um i had a beautiful experience in my university years um around uh, students associations i went on to to work for an ngo around entrepreneurship education um and i see seen that I was always, since that time, into small communities. And, you know, when you look at these communities, I don't know, in the U.S., they have a kind of sororities, kind of style. And the thing that brings people together are the this, this same way of thinking, the same way of looking at the world, so the same values. And normally some topics that kind of gel together. Um, and it is those values that are shared uh, and way of thinking that makes you feel safe with those with the people around you because you are like... Uh, and you feel comfortable around expression, to do certain things, to do them in certain way. Um, and then I had, from that perspective, I moved on to work a little bit on the area of innovation startups, post-that. And that was also a community in itself, where it was a safe space that people wanted to disrupt. You know, I, I, I met many founders uh, who wanted to change the world, who wanted to change um, the status quo. And when you have that community of uh, people who are kind of breaking the box of in terms of thinking about what's going on in the world and creating solutions, that is a safe space as well. That's what they needed in order to kind of like decide that it's okay to to disrupt finance, or disrupt the uh, security or disrupt the uh, food. Um, so what I can look back now is safe space. It's a, an environment of shared values where you're able to actually, you know, tackle many of the things around how we live our lives and really co-create what it means uh, that feels more in alignment to the values that you are sharing with other people.
0: It's really beautiful. And you've brought up already a few examples, but I was wondering, like, can you share some of your experiences in the safe spaces that you've found around the world? Have you ever, (laughs) yeah, have you ever been in situations as well where it didn't feel like a safe space?
1: Yeah, um, so in terms of examples of of safe spaces, like I said, it's um you know, I think is there's one thing about expression and being able to speak your mind. Um and again, being in now in the nomad community, uh, because then I became um one of the organizers of, of the events of the community uh for three years for the Lisbon Digital Nomads here in Lisbon, you know, you're Finding a group of people who are talking about a different lifestyle, talking around breaking the box—something that a taboo in in, in what I say is how I looked at life previously—and I felt safe to to express my my fears around. By the way, so what happens if I run out of money or if I don't get a job? You know, a, in a very different way, so I can tackle. You know, how does it how this relationships work in? in this way, to touch these points in a way of not being judged. I think in the normal, outside of that safe space of people that have these shared values and vision of the lifestyle, I would not have been able to have those conversations. So I think when I think about these safe spaces, it's a lot around being able to express myself. Um, And in the last year or so, uh, in in kind of in in the community and other communities, I have been also finding across my path, around spirituality and well-being, I went to my first therapies when I was 30 and that was, I think for many people is, it's a unique safe space, a safe space of walking into um, with someone that you can actually openly express without actually being judged, without even having a, any comments around how you, what you should do It's just, it's a hundred percent to express what you need to express. So, yeah, I think therapies is is one of the best examples around uh, finding a safe space and what I needed. And and I think now taking from that, I have seen it in different uh, environments, some of those ones. One of the recent ones um, have been the men's circles, um, creating a safe space for men to actually come in and express their experiences, their challenges, um, and really kind of work through and openly discuss and, and allow themselves to drop some of the masks that they have in life. Um, so yeah, I think there's there's plenty of examples um, that we can look into, that I can look into my life, um, but it is, it is what makes that safe space, which has been a beautiful thing that I can take from all of them that are common.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering like, how do you create this safe space? I know you've taken a lot of initiative to start these spaces. How do we do it? How do we make people feel like it's a place they want to come to and feel safe? How do you make people feel safe, basically? Yeah.
1: You know, it's it's really beautiful because I don't think this is um, something that is out of our reach. Every every person should be able to create a safe space. Um, our parent, We should be able to learn to create safe spaces for our parents, for our friends, for uh, our partner, for our children. Maybe one day we want to uh, for our community. Uh, so, you know, what, what it means to have a safe space is a question that we need to continuously ask ourselves. What do we need to feel safe, safe to express safe to, to express when we're happy, when we're sad, whatever we're going through. Um, and I think one thing that goes hand by hand with, uh, having a safe space is trust. What do we need to trust? Because if we don't trust, we don't feel safe. And so we, the first conversations that we need to kind of have is like, what do I need to feel safe in this environment? What do I need to, to feel safe and really be able to have the conversations with, um, with the the people that are around and in our environment, in our community, and co-creating, and you know, we look at tools uh, to actually execute and continuously build up and reinforce the environment of safety uh in whatever activity you might do um, but that is the first two questions that we need to ask what do we need to feel safe for whatever it, it is that we want to express or an action that we want to take um and what do we need to feel trust
0: so well, i I can think of a great example that you started yourself. So one place we've really connected is the running group here in Lisbon that you started doing during the pandemic like every Tuesday night. And like you said, um, trust is that you you kept showing up week after week. You were announcing that you were doing it. You were showing evidence that, that it happened with photos every week, even now the running group takes a photo after the run and you can see how many people have attended. And so I think it's the fact like you kept showing up or people in your community were showing up making sure the group happened. Cause I think as nomads, like you're always wondering you go to a place and you find a group, a meeting once and then you find out it's not gonna happen again or it happens like once a month or something but continuously showing up will build the trust for that community.
1: Yeah, and 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 this is from the reflection around, you know, to build a community, there needs to be consistency. And consistency, it's very close to trust. If someone is trying to build a community when there's not a consistency, then I don't trust it because it might not be there tomorrow.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: uncertainty, actually, it's going against uh, not allowing me to feel trust. While I know, and and because of the commitment that I was able to make at that time of kind of creating that the the running community and showing up every single Tuesday for a year that consistency a lot a lot of other people be like oh this is there every week so if I don't show up this week it's okay I can go next week and so they're able to have a trust in the community they're able to trust um into the the people who are there and then they meet other people and they're like okay there's no judgment I can run at my own pace and they're still going to wait for me at the at the finish line. These are all small mechanisms that we can input to sustain that trust. The, the group picture, you know, we're all together in this, in this celebration. We're celebrating together. That is reinforcing trust in the community. That makes us feel good. So we keep coming back. And that is a safe space.
0: And I love how you reached out to other groups in the city that we're meeting. And now I think everybody's in one WhatsApp group and it's like five times a week. There's events and people are sharing and cross pollinating with each other. And it's become a really strong, vibrant part of the city. And it's just from starting, taking the initiative and being consistent, like you said, and you know, bringing people together.
1: You know, I, I only made like a first step in commitment for a year. And then that allowed other people who observe that actually they want to step in. So the 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 latest collaboration of unification of the, the communities is the work of not not myself, it's actually of my peers who have stood up and then they gave one year of commitment, and then now it's it's been three years. So now all the communities trust what has been established, and now because of that trust, they come in together and say, guys, we can actually make something bigger, something better, because there's there's a trust. If they didn't, if they didn't trust each other, if they haven't seen the consistency. That trust wouldn't allow those communities to come together now to form one big community of the Lisbon Running Club, which we will look back and hopefully it's going to be you know 10 times bigger in in, in a couple of years.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really exciting. On the flip side, have you ever been in, if you're comfortable sharing, any unsafe spaces and there were things there and you knew like, okay, this is not what makes a safe space. This is what you need to avoid. Have you ever had... Any experience like that?
1: So let me, you know, I think one of the key areas when when I've felt unsafe is definitely when it comes to the environments that are playing with things that um, put us more in a vulnerable situation. Um, Either emotionally, either physically, um, and this one is the ones that I became a lot more conscious around really whatever we're exploring something new and I can openly be for example in the I had my first ayahuasca experience uh, a little bit close to a year and a half ago um, and I have met many many people who have been working and trying out in the area of psychedelics for for health for well-being uh, for such, such psychological emotional work and I think this is one of the spaces where I have experienced and I have seen and heard stories where entering this space of exploration of learning about and having an experience that actually can touch on many vulnerable things, um, if what you need, if the creators have space of and not understanding what I need or being able to express to feel safe uh, or have the right trust, can have. A significant impact that then leaves you with a with a very negative experience, and you know that might be an example of. Um, so when I did my ayahuasca, for example, as much as I tried to to have um, um a safe space, I entered into um, actually doing two doses one day after the other, and I felt like because I had already paid for it when i wanted to withdraw from not doing the second one i was kind of like slightly pushed that i should do it and even the financial topic around like oh there's no money back kind of things already was kind of like suggested on me um and looking back you know i think that space could not be held a little bit together beforehand that whatever I feel is accepted. If I didn't want to do a second session, it was 100% okay to not have to do the two sessions. And I have met many people who might have signed up for longer treatments with, uh, with psychedelics, for example. And then when they want to change their mind, if there's not an open space that whatever you're feeling, it's okay and needs to be expressed and maybe you need some time, whatever. When we go against what we're feeling and we're not able to express it, that creates then the judgment and then that completely blocks the experience altogether. So, yeah. I, you know, if I apply the same logic to many other, these are the most vulnerable ones, the ones that I felt like have left a little bit of a moment. Ooh, I didn't speak my truth. I didn't feel safe, honestly. Um, but then I can still apply that to many other scenarios when did I say what I wanted to say? And if I didn't, I know that I didn't fully feel safe.
0: Yeah. Always follow that intuition, really listen to it. And I found sometimes it's like in a space that you were speaking about, for example, um, it sometimes the facilitator is, you know, on the stage or or they're unable to be, maybe it's not best to call them out publicly at that very moment. But if you can pull them aside privately and discuss one-on-one so they really understand what the issue is, it can maybe lead to a better outcome in a safer space going forward yeah
1: and sometimes you just need to and again allow yourself to change your mind but sometimes you just need to have a little bit of space to feel like you were able to express what you needed to express and you know after a little bit of time maybe an hour maybe a, uh, one day you decide okay i would change my mind but you know we were able to 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 live, which allows us to enjoy it because now we kind of reinforce that we have a safe space so it's very interesting becky because the safe space is co-created. You know, it's not facilitated, it's facilitated and taken care of by someone who might have some experience to bring awareness. But ultimately, it is also the participant to actually learn around what do I need to feel safe again? And then the co-creating and and actually sharing, this is what I need in order to feel okay with the environment that I'm in. Yeah,
0: I also think it's like this, you know, the values that are, vibing together the shared values, because if you go into a space with values that you've always traditionally been very far from, it's you know maybe a new opening of an experience for you, but also it might really give you a negative reaction at the beginning, and you've really got to be careful in that territory. And,
1: and, and I'll give you an example in terms of, um, in the workspace, you know, I have learned to grow an approach of of a team culture. Um, and the leadership style that I've learned from amazing people that i have been lucky and I also have experiences where I have more difficult leaders and management so walk into a space that I know that I can bring ideas put them in the table openly maybe think of things on, on a different way just able to express those ones and then that someone's listening to them and is able to tell me okay Victor this might not work because of this and that that is such a great environment to be in and then I have been on an environment where I will bring a new ideas like don't waste the time by bringing this idea having you fought it through properly and then that created a culture of like I don't want to really bring any idea because now I'm afraid to express myself because you know I I'm putting a self-doubt into it and so for example now bringing all the skills of of mindfulness of safe space to different parts of my life even at work you know when I'm working my team I want to create a culture where I make my teammates, ask those questions themselves because i need them to be able to flow i need them to feel that it's safe that way we can you know collaborate and communicate much more efficiently so it's it's very interesting how things just can be applied to many areas of life
0: yeah i love how you've brought this back to yourself you're not only going to help others by creating these safe spaces but it's a safe space for you and you can flourish much more going forward yeah and that brings me to ask you, uh, what kind of safe spaces do you envision creating in the future? I know you've started a men's group. You have a running group that's been going, uh, co-collaboration there. Do you see, have you been having any ideas about what, what is going to happen next for you?
1: So definitely, it's, I tried to look into a little bit of the areas that I I have more passionate about the ones that are more in alignment. And and you talked about the area, the first one about men's well-being, which has been that I've been going through some beautiful journey and had the opportunity to to walk into very safe spaces for, you know, recalibrating, reprogramming um, a lot of the things that uh, I have gone and experienced as a man, um, both from programming of culture, society, and the things that maybe even I have programmed myself for my experiences, that now I have the opportunity to, to change. But for that, I, I need to touch sometimes very vulnerable parts of me. And, and having had the experience, I was like, okay, I would like more men around me, my brothers, my father, my friends, kind of starting within that inner circle, I would like them to know about it. Um, and of course, I would like to learn more about how can I enable it to this, uh, to men uh, and really working on uh, creating more awareness on men's well-being in general in a very holistic way. You know, what do we need um, to be able to reprogram and, and really navigate um, the different f- wave of seeing ourselves uh, both on the emotional level, psychological level, uh, physical level and all the things that we're experiencing in our lives. And for that, now make it living my 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 main purpose and focus over the next couple of years. Um, that this is where I want to have the impact. This is where I want to. This is a journey that is both personal and it's a journey that I would like to to have for the people around me, uh, other men. Um, so a couple of first steps were, of course, the men circles we've, we've been organizing for the last couple of months here in Lisbon on a weekly basis, um, and participating in the beautiful initiatives that many other men are starting to create. Uh, in Europe, in the US, um, and talking more about it, you know, breaking the taboos of many of the things that uh, men struggle with. And, you know, well-being is is a word that covers a lot of areas um, that we haven't really tapped in before. And, you know, there's so much things changing in our society. That is, is beautiful. Um, secondly, you know, I try to, to to think that any other things in my life that could be around expression are important for me. And dancing and movement is one of those ones. So I used to DJ back in my twenties, popular music in clubs in London uh, when I was just during my university years, that was fun, but it wasn't the most nourishing experience, I would say. Um, And looking back into, for example, static dance, something that I learned when I came here uh, to Lisbon through some of my closest friends. And and finding a safe space where I could walk in, play around with movement and everything that was happening within me, emotions and so on, and just being able to express without feeling any judgment. It was a space for me to express myself using my body and connecting with myself. So, you know, this is one of the other areas that I am focusing for the next couple of years, because I know that it's in alignment, music, movement, and creating a safe space uh, for other people to actually have this experience um yeah so you will see me DJing in wherever I go with uh playing some music and trying to create safe spaces for people to, to enjoy themselves and connect with themselves
0: okay so with the ecstatic dancer you you're, you want to DJ these spaces
1: oh I already DJ yeah that's it
0: okay so... okay I, I always feel a little so- sad for the DJ that he can't dance himself as much you know he can move but I always uh yeah. am lo- looking over like oh Wish they could join. They look a little lonely in the corner sometimes. Haven't DJed <laughs> myself though. I don't know if it's like <laughs> if it's just my perception, but
1: yeah. no. I think you know it is 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 a as a, a, a DJ. Um, and this is one of the things is like you observe. You're connected to the people, and you're not in another world. You're you're there. You're guiding the people for the music journey, and and again, this is you know used to guide people from a great night at a party from you know 10 p.m. until 2 a.m. Uh, because you want to get them through that roller coaster of emotions and feelings and, and energy. Now I get to do it in a very different way. I want to get them on a roller coaster of connecting themselves for music and sounds and their body. So I'll pick the sounds, I'll pick the music, I'll pick the place. Uh, and as you know, Aesthetic dance is about creating a safe space of expression because there's no drugs, there's not verbal communication within the dancing space, um, there's not alcohol. And there's no judgment, there's pure love. So for me, that represents a little bit of what I need in my life. So, and what a lot a lot of other people actually find so beautiful.
0: That's so beautiful. Wish you the best of luck on your journey with that. And I'd love to attend a future event that you create.
1: Hey, we'll definitely, we will be inviting all my friends um, that'll be hosting the next time i am being in Lisbon, probably do a couple of months of that.
0: Great. All right, well, is there anything else that you would like to share with us today before we go, Victor?
1: I think it's just a beautiful reminder of that those are not the things for other people to create for, for us, but we can you know, question and learn um, the whole topic of what do we need to feel safe and uh, what do we need to do to improve trust? Because I think that's how we can elevate the level of connection that we have with others. Um, and the depth of relationships that we have you know we don't get to the next level of knowing someone unless we have elevated trust and that we have elevated so i would only recommend is just pick one person pick one of your friends and be how can i do you have the trust what do you need to have trust and you might come out with many different words and now you have to try to act on those ones and provide that for others. And then you also get to say, what you need? So let's make it a very applicable thing. Just pick one person, pick one of your friends that you want to take the relationship and the friendship to the next level and they can hold a safe space for you. You can hold a safe space for them. It's easy.
0: So powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Well, if if people want to follow you, where can they go?
1: Or well, you can go to my Instagram, arroba, at Soto. so V-E-S-O-T-O. Um, but yes, I, that's where normally I share all the, um, and then you have the link tree with all the all the things about the static dances and the men's circles uh, and everything else that I will be doing when I'm traveling.
0: All right. Thank you so much for for coming onto the show today, Victor. It was so good to learn about this topic. Maybe something that people haven't thought so much about before, but something that's so important for our everyday lives.
1: Yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me to share like uh, different parts of my story, Becky. I was really, really very happy to to do that with you.
0: Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day.
1: Enjoy Sunny Elizabeth.
0: Thank you. Yeah, the, just like this behind me, just like this.
1: But <laughs> it it's actually very sunny because I have the sun actually on my face, as you can see here. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Enough. This I'm is not this a day. sun. This is a light. <laughs> All right. Have a great day, Victor.
1: Thank right. you, babe.